Ephesians 4, verse um, 7 through 16, reads, But every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascendeth up on high to lead captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some perhaps he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. The human body is fearfully and wonderfully made so declared David in Psalm 139, verse 14. And might I say that the church, the body of Christ, is fearfully and wonderfully made as well. Jesus' church goes back to the first family in the garden. I'm not speaking about the White House. In the Bible in Genesis 4, 25 and 26, where we read in Genesis 4, 25 and 26, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus' church became a nation called for the first time the ecclesia, which is the called out ones. In Acts 7.38, we're reading, 
Acts 7, 38. Where it reads, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness. The ecclesia is the church in the Greek. With the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai. And with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Then the head of the church himself, Jesus Christ, arrives on the scene of time and space. According to Matthew 16, 18 this time. Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice that he says, I will build my church. The Lord has been in the construction business of his church from the get-go when he made this declaration. When he made this declaration, which is the rock, by the way. His confession is the rock, not Peter. Peter could no way be the rock. Otherwise, he'd be a very shaky rock, a very uh, a flimsy rock that peels off like some of the rocks that are in the mountains when you go along 8 to go to Yuma. And, and I'm just waiting for a boulder to roll onto the freeway. Not like that. For this rock is Christ Jesus, our Lord. This rock is his confession of being the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus builds his church by giving his life, by rising from the dead. And as we learned last week, by ascending back to his glory, heaven, because that is where the commander-in-chief's HQ is. You know what an HQ is? Headquarters. It says in our passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. The one who came to earth, who descended to the lowest parts of the earth, even into his grave, the, the, the tomb where he was interred for three days, but which he, he arose from gloriously. The same Jesus ascends into his glory. And that in order that in heaven he would fulfill all things, as we read earlier in our reading scripture. To fill up means to fill up what the world lacks and especially what the church needs. To make right the things that are wrong in the world, but most of all, what is wrong in Christ's church because the church is not a perfect bride. The church would be like that which one prophet married who was a harlot. That's what we are by nature. That's what we do by practice, sad to say. So that the Lord, in so doing and accomplishing his work, fulfills that which is totally lacking until finally we are complete. We are sound and complete. And he does this as we've begun to learn by equipping men to do the work. Imagine men like Peter 
and even Paul, a murderer, a persecutor of the way he would use. The Lord is amazing when you think about how he uses the likes of any of us. People with a notorious record to glorify himself. He would take that which is not to bring to not the things that are. You see, that's how God works. He'd break the, he'd, he'd make the things that are foolish in men's eyes to glorify himself. Because he will not share that glory with any other. Neither with you, nor me, nor anyone else. And the things that are weak will he use to humble the things that are proud and strong. And he equips first the apostles and the prophets be the ones to lay the foundation which is the Bible, the scriptures the word of God God's self revelation Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone and then evangelists now evangelists may be like what people do as missionaries but I believe evangelists were the early church missionaries like Paul and his son Timothy his son in the faith that is to be told one time, but watch thou in all things, meaning be careful, stand faithful to the Lord, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, he told him. Make full proof of thy ministry, my son. This is what was needed if the church is to go worldwide, if the church is to go viral. That's how Christ planned it out. He said when he was about to ascend into heaven, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, meaning disciple the nations. Make them disciples of mine. Make them followers of me. Not of yourselves. And that's why people so-called, and I'll say so-called because they're not true if this is what they're doing. So-called pastors and ministers who make followers of themselves, who accrue glory and fame to their name and defame the name of Christ. Christ must increase and I must decrease, he says in the word of God or through his servant, John the baptizer. He goes on to say, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, What does that all mean? It means exactly this. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm going to use you, my humble and hopefully faithful servants. His church will, in effect, build his church. And it's going to start with the 12 apostles. Of course, one was replaced by two, joined by other evangelists. They were evangelists, some of them, that is, some of the apostles. Many of them, because they were evangelists, because they preached, their, preached the faith like Peter, were put to death. They went all over the place. They didn't just sit in Jerusalem. They went to work. 
It cost them. But they were joined by other evangelists, deacons. Deacons took it up when they didn't have elders yet. They, they just rolled their sleeves and, and, and went to work. The Father and Jesus, and I have to backtrack now. I have, I have to go back a little bit. Let's back up for a moment. Okay. The Father and Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit at what's called Pentecost, starting what I call the New Covenant Church. The church has always existed from the beginning of time. This is something that's very important. This is what we believe as Reformed people. The church has always existed. The called out ones, as I've already traced from the first family in the garden. However, when the Lord came, that started a new era, a new epoch, where there would be miracles and signs and wonders, where there would be outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where there would be speaking in other languages that men have never studied, where there will be new revelation. And when the Lord completed that by his apostles that would be used to make commentary on his work and have it recorded so that we have it in our scriptures, then his work on earth is done through those apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone. The new covenant church may be shown in action in Acts 2, 41 and 42. Acts 2, 41 and 42. Then they that gladly received his word, meaning the word of Peter, who was the preacher, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Imagine that, 3,000 souls. Would that fill this room up? I think so. <laughs> and probably, you know, we'd have to open up the sliding doors and on both sides. But that's all right. <laughs> I look forward to that. And then what else? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means in the teachings of the apostles who are teaching for Christ, who are teaching the words of Christ, who are teaching the inspired, infallible, and errant word of God, the Bible, and fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayers. So that's what they were doing. They were very busy. Worshiping God and fellowshipping with each other. And that's what the church has been doing ever since for the last 2,000 plus years. But also contending earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints because there are errors. There are duplicates. There are forgeries. There are uh, scams. You know what scams are? Have you ever been a victim of scam? Well, the church has been victimized by scams from the very beginning. And the Lord knows it. But he tells us, he tells us in Jude 1.3 what we're to do. Jude 1.3. You didn't know Jude had a chapter, did, did you? <laughs> it does. It's one chapter. Jude 1.3. And it's right before the book of Revelation. Beloved, speaking to us, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. 
That's a lot stronger than just teaching. That's like saying, I want you to do this. That you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, meaning it was once deposited to the account of the church in the teachings of the apostles and the prophets and has been preserved as you're being preserved and especially as it's being preserved to the glory of the triune God. And so you need to stand guard over this. You need to be a faithful keeper of this. You need to be a contender, an apologete. You can't just be content with going to church and hearing the scriptures and, and, and doing nothing about it and just going home and, and, and saying, well, praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord while people all around you are dying in masses. Well, people are, are, are going like lemmings over the, over the precipice into, into the ocean, as you've probably seen in, 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 in National Geographic. And there's no stopping them. They just follow each other into the sea. And no one can save them except some seagulls that, 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 that don't want to have to get it in the water. And, and what is the church's response to that? What should be the church's response to that? Do we have a response to that? Are we doing something about that? You see, I'm exhorting you just like Jude. Because this is this is life and that more abundantly so that's why we must contend but also from within because within the true church there are also false sons in its pale you've heard that in, a, in one of the hymns in other words there is false teaching abounding in the church there are charlatans. People are making money, making merchandise. It wasn't just at the temple when they were making merchandise off of the, uh, of the pilgrims that were coming into Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice who decided they're not going to put their animals through all of that, through the paces of that long journey. They're just going to buy it there at the temple. And that's not what God commanded. And so they had a business going. They were charlatans. And they haven't stopped making merchandise the church to this very day, especially with such false doctrine that it will make God spew. It will make God spew out of his mouth, just like it says in the book of Revelation. I will spew you out of my mouth. That's the kind of doctrine we have. It's a lukewarm doctrine that will just make you throw up. It's like my tea here. If I don't have hot tea, forget it. I got to pour it out or I got to heat it up, one or the other. But it can't be anything but hot. I hope that's how you are. I hope that's how you want to be. And that you're not content with yourself. Even as I am totally discontent with myself, with my unholiness, with my lack of zeal, with sometimes my desire just to go off to some island somewhere. Yeah, in the Philippines, that's, that's a perfect place. There's 7,000 islands to hide, hide in. <laughs> the only problem there is that there are more brethren there that are probably going to find me so I don't know if I'll be able to hide it. I'd probably have to go to Alaska or something. <laughs> or someplace. Maybe the Arctic. That would be probably easier. Because then I know no one's going to be up there. Except the... Except, except the uh... <laughs> <laughs> I believe that in the modern age, the Reformed Church is the most accurate expression of Jesus' church. I will contend for that. And that is why I was rejoicing at our synod meeting. 
although I wasn't well, although I didn't have a whole lot to say, I was just enjoying hearing the brethren going nip and tuck over doctrines, you know, and trying to be precise in their responses and, 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 and cordial to one another, or at least as cordial as you can be debating. But then afterwards they would sit together and, 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 and it's not like they had anything to make up because they're friends, okay? We're friends. We're brothers in, in Christ. But, but afterwards they'd be eating together and laughing about uh, this and that, the other thing, you know, uh, about their children and how, you know, they don't have to wear masks, you know, or something like that. <laughs> it's a wonderful time. Now to fast forward for a moment to the future, I want you to turn to Hebrews 12, 22 through 23. Hebrews 12, 22 through 23. So we see what we're heading for here. We've come from the past, and now we're quickly proceeding to the future. So Hebrews 12, 22 through 23 reads, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Who do you think the firstborn is? Who is the firstborn from the dead called by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which are written in heaven? So all of us who, are, who make up that general assembly and church of the firstborn, our names are written in the book of life. They've been written there from eternity past, and they will be there when we arrive there in eternity future. And this is not some book that we're going to open up with the Bible and, oh, there's my name. Hey, this one's here and that one. No, it's, it's, it's God's memory. It's God's heart that he fills with his people and with his love for his own. That's what that book is. And God has lovingly and sovereignly elected you from the foundation of the world. You are his. You are accepted in the beloved. And the beloved is Jesus Christ. And so you're, a, you're as loved as he is loved by the Father. By the Father. And what a thing to bask in. What a thing to take refuge in. Especially in times like these when we have so much uncertainty and doubt in our hearts as to what is going on, as to where the world is going, as to whether there's not going to be a World War III. Let's believe. Let's believe that there won't be. Let's pray to that end. But let's trust God because we know that finally it's His will. And there may be one. But if there is, are we safe in the Lord? Are we resting in Jesus? Have we come to him and found our resting place? For he said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I am meek, lowly in heart. You will find rest unto your souls. You will not find someone here to badger you, to harangue, harangue you, to get on your case, to point out all your faults. I'm the perfect spouse for you. I'm the spouse who is not critical of you, who lifts you up with love, who honors you and esteems you for your beauty, which is in Christ. For that meek and quiet spirit, which in, which in the sight of God is a great price, which is in Christ. 
which is the work of the Spirit of Christ, which reveals the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. A love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church is Jesus' bride. He is preparing her for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And who is the Lamb but none other than himself? Behold the Lamb of God which, is, which taketh away the sin of the world. And it says in Ephesians 5 that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water, by the word, that he might present himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. He doesn't want anything less. He doesn't want anything else. And that's what he will have. And he will have it from us or not. And we must make up our minds what it will be. A covenant like in mer- of marriage is a two-way street. Yes, it's two-way. It's sovereign in that God is the one who's approaching us with a marriage proposal and it's by his spirit and it's according to his word but nevertheless it's a two way street and we must make up our minds whether we will be his faithful bride or not Jesus is after a holy bride holy in doctrine holy in practice holy in in their words holy in their works holy the Lord's meaning all Jesus all for Jesus. All for Jesus. The head and his body therefore become one. And the members of his body also become one. He used the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. For as the body is one, of course, body is one, and hath many members, like fingers and toes, hands, arms, legs, kneecaps, etc. Heart, head. And all the members of that body, being many, are one body. We, want, we want, must put it back together. We, 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 we separate the parts, but we must put it back together. Like when we study theology, we, 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 we dissect God, as it were, in theology, right? But let's remember, he is one. And put him back together. He is a saity. He is all-sufficient. He is one God. So we must do the body of Christ as well. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings us together and makes us together. He is like the gel. He is like the glue that brings everything together so that we are made one body, and Christ is our head. There's a saying, one for all and all or one. That's the body of Christ. Finally, Hebrews 12, 14. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 14. Hebrews 
Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. There are two things, according to this, that we need to take note of that are essential in order for us to see the Lord. Holiness and peace. Not one or the other, but both. Some would like peace, like peace and unity in the church, but at the expense of holiness, at the expense of the preaching of the gospel, or the preaching of the law of God, and the holiness of God, and the preaching against sin. They want to leave that part out. They just want the good stuff, right? The, 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 the easy stuff. They don't want the wrath of God. Who wants to hear about that? That's just, uh, you know, coming judgment. Ah! And yet, you know what? If you're not in Christ, you're always looking over your shoulder and wondering when it's going to come. That's what it says in the book of, of Hebrews. So really, unless you have Jesus' holiness, unless you have Christ's righteousness, unless you are covered by that, by him, unless you are in him and have been washed of all your sins, past, present, future, so that you are standing not in your own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is by faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are naked and open unto the eyes of God, and you're not ready. But if you have that holiness, will have peace in your heart. You will have the peace of God that passes understanding. You will have peace with God, which is more important than anything else. That you are right with God, that you know you're standing right with God. And it's not through anything that you and I have done. There's nothing I have done to earn my salvation. If anything, I've earned damnation. It's Christ who earned that for me. It's Christ who gives it to me as a free gift. Who upon his resurrection from the dead, upon his ascension to heaven, he offers that to the Father and through the Holy Spirit he offers it to the sinner, to myself and to yourself who are in Christ. And that is our, our hope. That is the hope that we have so that we can go to the world and, and, and offer them hope. Sanctify the Lord in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason of your hope that is in you. That's it. But if you have this, I tell you, you want to share it with the world. You, you have something so precious, it's like an antidote to a disease, like a, whatever, a disease, like a virus. <laughs> but this one, you know, works. The others, uh, you know, the vaccines, I don't know about that, you know. But this one, you know, works. This one is 100% sure. You're not going to keep it. You're going to do what a lot of people are doing with the things that they believe are going to help people get well. You're going to share it, even if it's free, because you love them so much and you care for them enough that you will do that for them. And that's all that matters. That's all that counts, finally, in the end. If Jesus' church is to be one, is to become all that Christ intends his church to be, and he's the one who's the one who calls the shots. Also, we must make it our church. That's what I'm trying to say. We must make it our own church. We must take inventory, take stock, and finally take ownership. Find out, hey, 
these doctrines show that I'm, the, I'm an owner. <laughs> I'm an owner. I'm not just, you know, renting. I own the place. I own the kingdom of God. I own the church. Fear not, little flock, for it is Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, he said. He says. Today we started talking about how his church, about how his church becomes ours or how we take ownership through the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists taking ownership and doing their, their, their jobs. But next time we'll continue to talk about pastors and teachers. And this is not mentioned directly in our passage. Finally, y'all. Did you know that you have an office too? It's called the office of a believer. That's right. It's in our constitution. Check it out. You have the office of the believer. So we are all office bearers. It's just you didn't know that you, you had that office. And me. I'm also still in the office of a believer. Although I'm also an elder or a pastor. And so, that's what we'll talk about next time. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we have so much to thank you for. We thank you for life, for breath, for all things. We thank you for food and shelter and clothing, which we have in sufficient quantity so far. And we know that, Lord, you will not renege your children. You will not, Lord, leave them hungry, nor destitute, nor begging bread. You've promised, Lord, and you don't renege on your promises, for you're a faithful promise keeper even as you're a faithful covenant keeper in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as our Heavenly Father, who knows what we have need of all these things, and who tells us, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I guarantee it. I put my stamp on it, because my stamp is the blood, is, is sealed in the blood of my only begotten Son. Oh Lord, thank you, and praise you that you have made us part of your church, that we are the church, and that we, Lord, have ownership in it, and thus have duties and responsibilities to you and to each other. Help us in fulfilling them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.